Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. G'day and welcome to the Ball Boys Fantasy Basketball Podcast. We are at number 14 in the Fantasy Most Interesting Players Top 25. Today we're talking about Jaron Jackson Jr., he was overhyped early in the preseason, but I think it swung the other way. And is he someone we can get at value now? Let's go! Jordan, open! Chicago with the lead! Bryant, to Shaq! Not a game, not a game. We talking about practice. LeBron James with no record for human life! He's G'day and welcome again to the Ball Boys Fantasy Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Mitch Casey, and you can find me on Twitter at Ball Boys Fantasy. And today we are going to count down the top 25 most interesting players, and we're talking at number 14 today, Jaron Jackson Jr. If you haven't already, We've already done uh, over 10 podcasts on the top uh, well, 25 through to 15. So if you haven't, go and check those ones out. Plenty of very interesting fantasy names that we discussed in detail. And that's what we're going to do today for Jaron Jackson Jr. We're going to dive in, talk about where he's going, why he's going there. Maybe should he be going higher or lower? And uh, just summarize his value and, and, and again, what we should be looking at for him or expecting from him this season. So... We're going to do that in a second. But before we do, if you haven't already, guys, make sure go and check out ballboysmba.com for our season guide. If you want help for your fantasy drafts coming up this season, we have two membership options, a silver and a platinum membership. Uh, For you guys to go and check that out, you can get access to my projections, my top 150 rankings for points and category leagues. And you can also get access to my top 250 dynasty rankings. We've got some fantasy basketball articles on there. And also during the season, we're going to be doing some exclusive Q&As for the members only once the season kicks off. So head over to ballboysnba.com and get your season guide now. Fantasy drafts are just around the corner. Things are very much heating up. Um, some play, Some people have had their fantasy drafts so far and hopefully... The season guide has helped you guys out. And uh, yeah, keep it coming, guys. If you have any issues or anything like that, I know there's been a few issues with some of the PayPal um, payments processing and issues accessing content. I think I found a workaround. So if you ha- are having an issue getting access or seeing stuff on the site, it says that the, um, you need to sign in, but you already are signed in. Usually that's a PayPal issue thing. So give me an email at boyboysmba.com. Uh, ballboysmba at gmail.com and, and we'll be able to sort it out from there for you. We've been able to fix it for most people. Um, usually it's a PayPal thing. I'm not exactly sure why that's the case, but just email me if you have any issues. Let's talk about Jaron Jackson Jr. Now, he is someone who is... Well, he's a, he's a very interesting player, I think. And obviously, I've got him at number 14 here. He's 24 years old, so still very, very young. Um, and he is going... And I had to double-check this. I, I don't... 100% know if this is right. But on Yahoo, he's going at 19.3 as his average draft position. 
ESPN, we know they're wacky um, and slants them more towards points leagues, 38.2. But on fan tracks, his average draft position is 41.6. Now, I had to triple check this. That is what it says on their on their website. I don't know if that can 100% be trusted or if that's a bug in the system at the moment. 41.6 seems crazy low for him over on Fantrax, and I don't know if that's 100% right. So double-check that. But he is, and I have noticed that he is trending to go later and later. I am seeing him going in the third round in a lot of drafts. I think he went behind um, Mobley, Turner, uh, Claxton, and a few other shot blockers. T- uh, yeah, Turner, I think I said already. Um, went behind a bunch of those guys in a mock draft the other day. So people are starting to sour on him, especially compared to where he was last season. So the Fantrax ADP of 41.6, I don't think is super accurate, but I do believe that he is starting to fall in drafts. Yahoo did an update, and he is, I think, back at number 20 now for their rankings. So I think his average draft position might push into the 20s over there as well. So that is very interesting. In 2020, um, well, this says 2023-24. This is actually meant to say 22-23. He averaged, so he had played uh, 63 games. Remember in that season, he was coming off a knee injury and missed the first chunk of games. He ended up not missing too much time and played 63 out of 82 games, which was um, was a welcome surprise there. In that time, he played 28.4 minutes per game. For the entire season, he ranked 12th for nine category leagues. He was 14th in minus one and 39th for Yahoo points league. So I'm assuming that's what we're seeing over here on the ESPN side where his ADP is 38.2. But remember, in a category league, he was much, much higher if you are drafting category leagues over on ESPN. Um, I don't imagine there's many of you guys, but if you are, that is something to keep in mind. So I know there's been a big chat and a big talk over the preseason, and, and a lot of this is coming from um, our good friend Josh Lloyd over from the Locked On Fantasy Basketball um, podcast and YouTube channel about blocks over-inflating value um, and what does it actually mean to have a player like Jaron Jackson Jr., who in traditional Z-score rankings was average or averaged the 12th-ranked player last season, on the back of him blocking three shots per game. I know there's a lot of conjecture about that, and I agree with it for the most part. However, I do think that we are maybe going a little too far in the other direction because... It is a scarce stat, and it is a stat that if you want to be competitive in it, you need to grab these guys that go out and dominate these um, stats. And if you don't want to be competitive, then you don't worry about these guys. So these guys lose a lot of value. That's fine, but that's all taken into account when we talk about punting and we talk about punting blocks, and it is a very viable strategy. But the fact of the matter is, is if you want to be competitive in this category, you need to get some of these guys that are ranked quite highly because they're blocks in your team to be in amongst the um, the teams that are above average in this category. So I do think that that needs to be, I need to remind you guys of that and, and, and it needs to be said, I believe, because I think sometimes we are pushing these guys too far down the board because of, you know, what's being said about, you know, blocks over inflating value, which I do agree with. If you just look at a rankings board, I agree with it but you still need to grab some of these guys to be competitive in blocks. So let's talk about his stats from last season. Now, what I did here is I broke up his season basically into two halves. He played 63 games. I took the first 30 games, and then I took the second 33 games in the last two months. So 
What we want to have a look at here is, remember, he came back off an injury, and after that injury, his minutes were ramping up. Now, they ramped up relatively quickly, but they kind of stuck around that mid-20s mark for a fair while before they actually got high at the end of the season. So, in the first 30 games, he only averaged 26.3 minutes. And if we look at his stats, he averaged 16 points, one and a half threes, 6.7 rebounds, 0.9 assists, one steal, 3.3 blocks, incredible in 26 minutes, um, 51% from the field and 77.5% from the free throw line. And he did that with a usage of 22.8%. Contrast that to the last two months where he averaged 30 minutes per game, so an extra four minutes on top of that. He averaged 21.2 points, 1.73s, seven rebounds, 1.1 assists, 1.1 steals, 2.5 blocks. So the blocks actually fell in more minutes. Um, 51% from the field again, and then 80%, 80.4% from the free throw line. So his usage rose up to 27%, up from 22.8%. And he also increases fantasy points per game up to 40 points in this time um, compared to, I think it was at about 35 points per game prior to that in that first category. So what we did see is at the end of the season, the minutes came up. There was some games at the end of the season where we had um, Jar Morant missing some time, so he did benefit from that. But again, we need to factor into the fact that Jar Morant is going to be missing 25 games to start this season. So I think there is a very, very good chance, especially early on in the season, that Jaron Jackson Jr. is going to be playing heavier minutes, so 30-plus minutes. And I also think that he's going to be someone who is playing with a high usage rate and easily outscoring, or at least matching what he did in the last two months there, 21 points. I think that is easy money for him for the entire season. I think the first 25 games, he's going to be closer to probably 23, 24 points per game. The other thing that massively improved and increased for him was the free throw attempt rate. So he got to the line a lot more as the season progressed, and he did it at a higher efficiency at 80.4%. He has had seasons in the past where he has been... So last year, he averaged 78.8% from the free throw line. The previous two years, he averaged 82.3% and 83.3%. So that's actually been a down year from his free throw percentage shooting. So if he started getting to the line, again, the last two months, he averaged 5.7 attempts compared to 4.9 on the... um, the entire season, so more down towards that four attempts in the first 30 games. So that is a massive difference in terms of being a positive contribution compared to just a simple neutral one for him where he was shooting that 78%-ish for the whole season, which is bang on average. If he goes 80, 81, 82% on big volume, that becomes a fairly substantial positive in his favor which I think is also being slept on when it comes to the fact that he's going to be playing without Jar Moran. It is close enough to that average that it, it can be volatile. So it is not something that I think really um, you can rely on every week, but it is something that you can definitely say he is at least not going to hurt you too much from the free throw line, and he could very much help you a lot on any given week from the free throw line as well. So... Just wanted to put that into context. Now, I don't think you can come out here and confidently say that Jaron Jackson Jr. is going to average three blocks per game. It just isn't likely. The previous season, he did in 27 minutes, he blocked 2.3 shots per game. Um, back in 2019-20, so he averaged 25 or 28.5 and blocked 1.6. So his block rate has actually been rising year, year on year, which is positive. 
It's going in the right direction, and he's one of the best defenders in the NBA. I don't think that that's in debate here. So he's going to be blocking a lot of shots. Now, three is different to 2.4 or 2.5. There is a a pretty substantial difference. However, I still think we we could be confident that he's going to be blocking at least 2.3, 2.4 shots per game, which still marks him very close to the top of the league in block shots and makes him an elite contributor in that category. The thing that I think we need to remember with a player like Jaron Jackson Jr., however, is that he is not just a shot blocker. This is different to what I talk about and I'm like, right, with Walker Kessler, is Walker Kessler is a huge boost in like two or three categories and provides you complete negatives, like huge, like bad category contribution and assists, steals, points, three-pointers, uh, free throw percentage. Jaron Jackson Jr. isn't that. He is more well-rounded, and he has other strengths to his game. Now, his blocks are still by far his best category. That is true, but it is not like he is going out here and only blocking shots and not doing anything else. So what we're going to do here is we're going to have a look at the guys who blocked the most amount of shots in the NBA. If I pull up this screen here, if you're watching on YouTube, you can have a look here. So on the screen here, you can see from last season, the players who blocked the most amount of shots per game. So you've got Jaron at the top there. Then you've got Claxton, Lopez, Kessler, Turner, Davis, Robinson, Embiid, yada, 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 all the way down to the bottom there. So if you just look at these guys who blocked, so we had one, two, three, four, five, six players who blocked more than two shots per game last season. I think we're going to see at least eight guys this season, maybe nine or 10. So you add in like a, a Wemby, a Chet, um, you're probably going to add in someone like a, I mean, can a, can a Gafford get there? Can someone like a, I don't know, like like a, a Williams get there? Mark Williams? Could you see those guys step up a little bit? Could you see someone like um, Evan Mobley get right up there? Could, could Chris Esposingas up his block rate? We don't know. So on yeah, a Kongu, someone, if he finds himself in a larger role. So you could see some of these guys get up there and that block's not be as uh, valuable this season. Definitely, definitely true. However, only six players blocked more than two shots per game, and he averaged three block shots per game, which is it's a 50% increase on, on two per game. So it is, it is a substantial difference. However, you look at these players and you look at the other categories. So you've got a huge block average for Jaron Jackson Jr. But look at these other guys in terms of their points per game. So Claxton, 12.5. Brooke Lopez, 15.9. I think that's going down. Kessler, 9. Um, Turner was close to him, 18 points per game. But remember, Jaron Jackson Jr. over that last two months of the game averaged 21 points per game. So I still, and I think that's what he's going to do this year. So if we compare 21 to 18, you are getting more points from a Jaron Jackson Jr. You're probably getting similar-ish rebounds, um, both poor in assists. You're probably getting more steals uh, from Miles Turner. And again, maybe poor field goal percentage, but not by much and very equal in both free throw percentage and turnovers. So they're probably the closest comp to a Jaron Jackson Jr. is a Miles Turner, um, who again is, is still very valuable. But again, you're looking at Jaron, he's going to score more and I think he's going to get more steals than a Miles Turner as well. So that is definitely a point towards Jaron's favor, in my opinion. Anthony Davis is the one here, and Joel Embiid. So these two, oh, and Christoph Porzingis. So Davis, Embiid, and Porzingis got uh, more than 20 points per game. The only other player inside the, well, the top, I don't know how many that is, but Kevin Durant is the next guy down here, and I guess we don't really think of him as an elite shot blocker. So 
of the the top guys, only three other players average more points than Jaron Jackson Jr., two of which are going inside the first round. Kristaps Porzingis is also someone who we don't expect to have as high of a usage role this season. He's probably going to average less points, in my opinion, than a Jaron Jackson Jr. So of all the elite blocks, guys, he's probably going to be the third highest in scoring. You've then got issues with players like Anthony Davis with uh, health and things like that. Plus, you, t- you talk about Anthony Davis, his free throw percentage, at least season over season, is much more reliable than an AD. AD was close to Jaron last year, but the two years prior to that, he was sort of in that low 70s and 60s range. So, plus you've got the lack of threes. Now, obviously, I'm taking Anthony Davis ahead of someone like a Jaron Jackson Jr. anyway, but it's more just to illustrate that how close he is to those other guys and how much better he is than your Claxtons, your Walker Kesslers, uh, Mitchell Robertson, obviously going very late in drafts. Um, even someone like an Evan Mobley, like 21 points compared to Mobley 16. And I'm, a, I'm a big Mobley fan. And you've got the poor free throw shooting and no threes from Mobley. It, it, there's there's no comparison, in my opinion. Jaron Jackson Jr. is a better fantasy player than these guys. Even someone who's a Evan Mobley stand this preseason, it's pretty easy to see that. So when you go back and you look at his, if I just bring it back, if you go back and look at his ADP, which again, I'm going to question that Fantrax one, but I've seen him go in the third round a lot of times. I really don't think he should escape the second round. I really think that he is a second round player. You get him, yes, it hurts your assists. It really, really hurts your assists. So you're probably in an ideal situation punting assists with a player like Jaron Jackson Jr. Because again, in that first round, the big assists come off the board early. But if you can get Jaron paired with like a Steph or with a Shea Gildas Alexander or even a Jason Tatum or someone like that, I think you're off to a flying start and you're off to a great start with a punt assist build there because you just... Again, you're not winning blocks on his own, but he goes a long way to helping you secure that. And if even if you just get a few other guys that are decent in blocks, then you don't have to go out and chase another player like him to absolutely sew it up. So, Plus, he helps you in a lot of other areas, keeping both percentages strong, which can be very important in a punt assist build. So in my opinion, if you look at the start of draft boards, you're looking at um, oh, in the second round, usually you're getting to the the end of the first, start of the second, you've got Kyrie, you've got Trey Young, you've got Sabonis is often there, Anthony Edwards, Devin Booker, Donovan Mitchell. Well, there's six players, so that's what getting you to 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. I think at, at Yahoo 19, he's the next guy off the board for me. I think I think he's a very solid, safe guy. Like he's gonna, you, you take him ahead of the players like Kawhi, Jimmy, Paul George. Uh, James Harden. I think he goes all ahead of those guys, despite those guys on a per-game basis probably being more valuable. He, he to me, just seems more reliable. You, you know what you're going to get from him. You've got that added boost of higher production whilst uh, Kawhi... Sorry, not Kawhi. While um, Jama Rant is out. And I think he goes ahead of guys like Mikhail Bridges, Desmond Bain, his teammate. I think you're definitely getting a better player at that point, a player with bigger strengths that you can build a team around, especially in a head-to-head, a little bit more strongly. Um, so I think definitely in that situation, he, to me, is around that 18, 19, 20 mark. And I really don't think he should be ex- escaping the um, second round, despite a lot of people pushing back on the block's value on some of these guys. 
So, that will do it for us today for the Jaron Jackson Jr. talk. Let me know, uh, do you agree or disagree? Because I know there is a little bit of conjecture out there about what is the value of these elite shot blockers and, and how should we rank them and, and things like that. I think this is a different case to uh, my gripe with someone like a Walker Kessler who has extreme negatives in his game. Jaron Jackson Jr. has one extreme negative, that is assists, and that is the beauty of punting because if you have one, we can handle it. We can deal with that. If you've got three or four, that is much harder to deal with because even if you're punting one or two categories, you've still got other things that are really dragging your value down. So a player like Jaron Jackson Jr., we can definitely deal with him a little bit more. Let's talk about number three, sorry, number 13 on the most interesting list. You guys are getting really good at guessing, so I'm going to have to make these a little bit harder. The next guy that we are talking about here, uh, a lot of teams have already played their preseason game. I'm recording this on Monday, the 9th of October. He has played his uh, game, um, and he is someone that we need to monitor closely going into the season of an injury point of view. I think that he has the potential to be a breakout contender, and I think that a lot of people are sleeping on him and fading him for others like him. But I think that he has the chance to be the best in terms of a young player at this position. So let me know who you think that is. Again, I've probably given you two. I've got to think of these harder cues. Uh, let me know who you think it is coming in at number 13, guys. Drop your comments down below and make sure you guys hit subscribe over on YouTube. We're trying to get to 10K subscribers. Video, uh, thumbs up this video, and I'll see you guys next time. Bye. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.